0: Welcome to the Discomfort by Design podcast, where we
1: showcase people who chase discomfort, live life on the fringe, and pursue high adventure. We bring you the stories that inspire you to go find out. Now, here's your host, Taylor Quick. thank you for waiting so patiently for this episode. Uh, I've had a couple people ask me where uh, where I've been. Uh, so the month of October was kind of an interesting month around my life between uh, making sure we got Squattober done every day to uh, our finishing up our football season. We had our last four games there in October and then a, a playoff appearance the first week in November. Um, but uh, now it is all wrapped up now and can uh, can put our focus back into the podcast. So we had some technical issues with our recording software uh, that uh, took quite a little while to get figured out. Um, a couple of episodes that I'd recorded prior uh, got messed up somewhere in the in the cloud or whatever whatever it is that they use, and uh, had to had to get those recovered and. Had to go through a pretty steep editing process to make those where we could release them. So that is now finished and ready, and uh, we're looking forward to dropping some more episodes. got a great lineup of guests coming up for the next several weeks. Uh, So be ready to enjoy some really awesome people who are going to bring you some awesome stories. So without further ado, let's get back to the episode today with Ross Hillier. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Discomfort by Design. Today I am joined with my very good friend, Ross Hillier the iron nomad himself Ross what's going on bud
0: oh not much man I'm pumped that it's finally I don't know if I mean we're on video I don't know if you do video for the releases but it's finally flannel weather man woke yeah, up this I was morning it a was a like... about that
1: you're uh, <laughs> you got your flannel on and
0: your yep, outdoors
1: up. hat and your beard look like you're about yep. winter strong
0: ready Woke up and it was like a nice 52 degrees this morning. And I, it's nice because I'm getting ready. I'm loading up today, getting everything packed and loaded up and heading up to elk camp tomorrow morning early. So I'll be there through, uh, through tomorrow, through the rest of the weekend. So about four or five days. Um, so it's just perfect timing for this kind of weather because I don't want it's. It was way too hot for the last couple of weeks with smoke and stuff. And so I did not want to be hiking around. The mountains in the middle of ninety degree weather plus all the terrible smoke that's up here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that that would have been awful. Curiously enough, yeah. So Ross is uh, Ross is in you in uh, Nampa, is that right? Yes, sir. All right, so Ross yes, is in sir. Nampa, Tampa, Idaho. said fifty two degrees this morning. Here in Philadelphia, Mississippi, it was fifty six degrees this morning. So only a four degree separation hey. between us and Narnia.
0: Well,
1: yeah, it's, it's been it's been so flipping nice man like i slept with the windows open and the fan on last night and i was just I, i'm pretty sure i never quit <laughs> yeah. smiling in my sleep because my face hurt when i woke up
0: oh that's funny it's, dude i know i'm so ready nice. for the, i'm ready for the cool i'm ready for the cool weather
1: dude I, i'm built for it you know i i, I don't uh I'm, i don't like the hot which is kind of weird because i live in like the most humid place in the freaking continental united states um mm-hmm. It, it's just <laughs> miserably, miserably hot in the summertime. Oh, um, but man, that once that cold <laughs> snap gets here and starts feeling like deer season outside, I, I, I just it, it's it's weird. Like I feel like I'm more alive. It's it's un, unbelievable mm. how how good I feel all yeah, the time it, once that coolness hits.
0: Seriously, I get it, man.
1: So, Ross, man, um, dude, we're gonna jump in on this thing. I would love for you to cover some of your background. You know uh, who you are, where you're from, yeah. how you grew up, and where you got to where you're at today, and then we'll get uh, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of it after that.
0: Yeah, no problem. So uh, I guess we're doing the whole life story. So we'll start with we'll do it like uh, we'll do it like Tarantino style. We'll start at the end, and then we'll go back to the beginning, and then return to the end kind of periodically throughout i'm gonna i'm gonna, gonna, gonna count that as
1: one i have a running campaign. tally i have a running tally on how many movie references we're gonna make in this podcast
0: i'm gonna <laughs> count that as one you i'm just, so you glad you picked it up
1: <laughs> uh, i'm so glad you picked that up <laughs> one
0: <laughs> okay well uh now uh, if we're taking it, yes if we're taking it seriously um I am, uh, I'm a health and health and strength coach. Uh, I work primarily with men, uh, at this point in my life, I did, uh, several iterations of, of my coaching, my coaching practice for, let's see, almost nine years now I've been coaching, um, eight, eight years and some change. And, uh, What really started it was my love for athletics. I've been an athlete my entire life. I did um, two sports in college uh, for a while. I ended up uh, quitting playing ball to focus on track and field for the rest of my college career. Two sports in college was a little much for me. I know some people can handle it, but it was essentially two full-time jobs and then school on top of that. So it wasn't quite for me, Um, but I, I did do both for a year and then track and field for all four uh but I always just loved training and the and the process where you get to see like the results of the work that you put into create a very specific product uh you know if if, and it it was really fun going from football which I thought I was going to be doing for my entire life and then moving it to track and training in a different way and seeing how much that directly influenced what I was able to do and so the training part of it was always like some of the most fun to me, almost more so than the actual sports that I was playing. And don't get me wrong. I like loved the sports. I loved playing ball and I loved running in meets and competing and stuff like that, but I always loved the training part. And so I always kind of was known as the, like the gym rat of the track team. And I was always, you know, and I was, a, I was a decathlete as well. So I was literally training to some degree, anywhere from four to six hours per day, uh, during off season stuff, it backed off a little bit during in season. Um, but when you're, con- when you're combining stuff in the weight room, three days a week with anywhere from two to three hours of actual practice, cause you gotta know, you know, you gotta practice 10 events, <laughs> which is a crazy amount of, of volume and skill development stuff to do. I just always loved the training part. And so I kind of became known as the guy who, uh, the track team could ask some questions to, when it came to training and all of our stuff in the weight room, uh, we didn't, I was from a really small school in Montana. We didn't have a strength coach, at, even at a, even at our collegiate level. We were NAIA school. And, you know, that's just, they don't have the resources for that kind of thing there. Um, I think my entire college enrollment was, like, right around 2,000 people in my whole school. So, like, there's a lot of high schools in the state of Idaho, even that are bigger than the college that I went to in Montana, which is crazy. Um, but I was kind of like the little side, the side coach, I guess you could say not coach, but you know, if, if kids were in the weight room, they'd come ask me stuff about what we were doing training. Cause I always took an interest to it and, uh, really wanted to study and learn, but not enough to where I actually wanted to do it in school. <laughs> so like, I didn't actually do any of the kinesiology or PT or any of that kind of stuff in schooling, um, I was always interested in sports radio and that was kind of what I imagined my, the career move to be, uh, because I loved sports radio. I still listen to a couple of shows that I, that I really enjoy that I love a lot. And I always wanted to do like the ESPN radio gig so much so that I actually had a couple of internships in college at ESPN affiliates. And then one after college, at an ESPN affiliate, like, cause that was the path I was going to and ended up a lot of things changing in a short amount of time. And I found myself in a gym, like in a big box gym, neat. Cause just cause I needed a job. And I'm like, well, I moved to a new town. I can, I know how to train and, uh, got a, got a certification. You know, I, I make this joke because it's usually what is seen as like, what's wrong with the fitness industry is that someone can just go like, get, A weekend certification and then begin training people like the next day. And I didn't necessarily do that, but the certification that I had was fairly easy to get. And I had to have one because I was working for an employer. Right. So, so uh, so what
1: you're saying is, is you're everything that's wrong with the fitness industry.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. At least at the (laughs) beginning I was, uh, and you know, I was doing, yeah, I was doing the uh, just the big box thing. It was kind of like a Gold's-ish type gym, you know, big health club type of place. Um, and I started training people, and I was realizing how much I actually loved it. And what's what's cool about those places, with all the things that aren't cool about them, is they get you in front of hundreds of people to start seeing movement you know like i'm not i wasn't in charge of selling memberships or even selling training so i was literally just fed clients all day long and so i worked there for almost 2 years and i mean i was averaging anywhere from 90 to 115 training hours per month for that amount of time Good night Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, and it was – I mean, and that doesn't sound like a lot because that's not even 40-hour weeks But when when you break it down weekly. But when you're training, I mean, those hours are very demanding when you're trying to give all of your attention and your energy to – most of the time it was one-on-one, a single person for an hour or whatever it is. I mean, you you know as a coach, like bringing that energy for more than three or four hours a day, it saps you. And so doing that for six to seven –
1: you know, I did a I did a run in college, and as as a, a private sector guy in just a box gym mm-hmm. like that, um, just yep. just to, to to get some experience training people. Um, yeah, because you know my my training experiences was limited to the athletic side of things, and I wanted to kind of broaden my scope a little bit. Um, and I got into that that private sector, and dude, I, I can't imagine. Because see what people don't understand, and they hear like, "Oh, it's only you know, hundred hours of training a month comes out to twenty five hours a week." Yes, it does, um, but generally that's Monday through Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking five hours. Well, and a day. I if, at
0: the be- in the beginning I worked weekends too because I was either doing stuff, running, like I was helping out doing other things at the gym, right. like but and but you know, like when you're training private sector stuff, you're at the mercy of regular people's schedules. So correct. most people so aren't work, training they in the day a nine
1: to five jobs. <laughs> exactly. So are wanting to train at like 5.00 AM, you know, you've got, you, or you 8.00 PM. Correct. So you might have, you know, three clients in the morning at four five and six. So that's three hours of your day. And then they're not going to want to come in there until 6.00 PM when they get off. So you may have another two or three at six, seven and eight. And so yep. like, I mean, your, your training hours Where you may only train five hours a day, but you're training at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and then 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m. And it's like, dude, holy Salito. Like those days, that's tough. That's really tough, especially if you're not a single person without a family.
0: Right. And then even then, like I'm at the gym the whole day in between, like I would go home for maybe an hour or something just to hang out and take, like if I had a break, but I was always at the gym, like talking to people trying to get new clients or, you know, doing supplement stuff or, you know, cleaning or writing programs, like doing everything. So I'm literally at the gym, like 10 to 12 hours a day, even though I was actually only training clients for maybe five to six. But like you said, at the time I was, uh, I was dating my wife, my now wife. And, uh, I was, and she's a, and she's an education, she's a teacher. And so like, I would, I would be up and I would go, I would go to the gym. I'd be there at like six. Most mornings I started at six and I would not get done until like eight 30, o'clock. Cause I would like PM because I was, I'd always have those things. And, but she trained or she worked all day during the day. But when she went back to work, I started my, basically my evening shift. And so like, I didn't hardly ever see her. And then I would show up, you know, nine, 9 PM. I'd go over to her place for a little bit and hang out or like go have dinner or something and be like, all right, well hang out for an hour. And then I'm going to go home and sleep. Cause I got to do this all again tomorrow. Did that for like a year and a half. And, uh, it's funny. Cause I, I've talked about this with a couple of people recently, actually in the guys that are business owners and entrepreneurs. And there's kind of like this, this mindset that I tend to think it was kind of ingrained in me, whether or not it always manifests itself in, in good ways remains to be seen. But I kind of always had this belief, like even after working there for like two weeks, I'm like, I could do this better than you guys could do it. Like from a business standpoint, like even though I don't necessarily think that probably was accurate at the time, like I had, you know, I was 22, 22 years old. Like I literally, I probably couldn't have done it any better, but I believed that I could because there were things that I had seen that I'd be like, why aren't you guys doing this? Why aren't we doing this? And, uh, I was like, well, if I had, you know, I had a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of, of support, I could, I could put something like this together and just do this on my own and, and be a lot more profitable than the 70% I'm paying back to the gym to work here, you know? And so I made it about two years and, uh, just decided to basically I've, I've, so the story goes, this is funny. And I I've told this story a couple times, but, uh, I've had a business coach that, um, he used to say like one of his methods for people who had like a side hustle and they want to turn it into their main gig. Right. He would say like, give your, like, do whatever you need to do to build yourself 90 days worth of basically expenses or whatever it is. So you can drop your gig and go hard into your side thing for 90 days to try and make it like a reality, right? Like you need that 90 days to go hard at something without any other distractions. And that's really solid advice. And had I would have known that prior to the decisions that I made, I might have done that. But I was, uh, at the time I was doing some, uh, like firearms training, home defense, stuff. And we were working out of this big warehouse and, uh, we, they have like all these like, f- you know, fake buildings set up within this warehouse where you could practice like room clearing or uh, scenario based training. And they had like training rounds and stuff like that. It was super rat. And I'm in there one day and I see along the side of the wall, there's a bunch of like weights equipment. And I just figured it was for the guys that worked in that warehouse. They're just like, Hey, we just wanted some stuff here so we could train. So I asked them one day, like, what's all the, what's up with all the weight equipment over there? It looks like you guys got a little gym. And the guy's like, yeah, there's a gal that, uh, she, this is all her stuff. She comes in and she trains her clients here and she has a couple of coaches that pay her basically a sublet rent to come in and train their clients here. And I'm like, really? And uh, I was like, do you know, if she's looking for more trainers to come in. And he's like, I would imagine if it, if you're willing to pay her to use the space. So they put me in touch with her and I talked to her the next day and it was literally just like, I can't remember what it was. It was like, I could pay her 300 bucks a month. And come in and train my clients whenever I wanted. I can bring in however many people I wanted. I'd got I get a key to the warehouse, and uh, basically run my own business, and I'd only have to pay her three hundred dollars a month. And so, with me not really knowing what I was doing as far as a business standpoint, I had a like I think I had seven or eight clients that were ready to leave the gym and said, "If you go somewhere, we'll follow you." And all I did was I was like, "Okay, look." I, I don't really know enough about this yet. Business wise, I'm going to keep all of your guys' stuff that you're doing the exact same as far as payments, like what you were paying me at the other gym. I'm going to keep it the exact same. So I'm not going to mess with your guys' budgets. But what that did was it essentially gave me a 70% raise on day one because I was actually making all of that money back instead of giving it back to the gym. So I'm like, all right, this is sweet. But when I, when I talked to her and I said, Hey, are you looking for some more people? She's like, yeah, are you interested? And I, we talked for a while and I went home that night And, uh, I was telling my wife about it and we were married at the time. And I was like, I I think I, I, you know, I really want to do this. Uh, I think I can do this on my own and make this thing work and run it as my own thing. And she's like, all right, well, I trust you. I support you like do your thing and, and make it work. And so I think it maybe even surprised her a little bit, but like four days later I put in my two week notice at the gym and I like, so I had next to zero stuff, actually ready to leave. But I was like, I just need to go and do this kind of like a burn the boats scenario. Like, don't give myself any, any reason to hold back. Like I need to just make the cut, jump in and do this thing so I can put all my effort into it and make it work. And, uh, it surprised a lot of people that I left when I did. And I, I, you know, it was kind of a bummer. I thought I had made some really, I made some really good friends at that gym. And there was some people that were even still doing the thing like, oh, you know, well, if it doesn't work out and you want a job back, you're welcome back anytime. Like just kind of that stuff that you hear. Um, but that was almost seven years ago. So I don't think I'm going back. I don't, I don't think they'll they'll need me to come back anytime soon. It's been seven years now, and I've been doing this thing ever since, in various <laughs> various iterations of it since I left the gym. But I am not. I, I, I realized I not that I don't do well with authority or that I don't respect authority or something like that because I was a great employee and I've you know I was an athlete, so I'm always respectful to coaches and stuff. But I just can't do the employee thing. It's just not not my jam. I need to be able to have some more hands in the hands in the fire for it.
1: No, I, I completely get that. So let me ask you this. So when you, when you decided to, to make that change, right. So you, mm-hmm. you, 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 come across this great situation. You're like, okay, this is somehow I, I make it, make this work. And then you're just like, you know what, let's just go. And, and yeah. so you're, you have a wife at home, you know, mm-hmm. who, who has a job that's not very highly paying, uh,
0: <laughs> education. You know, yep. comparatively, uh, <laughs> right. As an
1: educator, I completely understand. <laughs> you um, get it. I do. Uh, we don't get much of it, but we get some, what we get, we understand. Um, but you know what, man, walk me through that mindset because like, as, as a husband, like I remember when, when Casey and I first got married, I was working three different jobs. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, I was a, vocational youth minister so i was you know sundays and sunday sunday nights and wednesdays we had i was youth pastor at a church and then i during the days i would manage a supplement and nutrition store for these two guys that owned a couple of 24 hour fitness gyms in town and so i would go manage their supplement nutrition store during the daytime and then i would go immediately and run the gym until like you know 10 or 11 at night so i mean i was working like crazy And and I can remember just that, that whole feeling of there's no security in this. Like I I can't go home to my wife and tell her, Hey, look, I've got a paycheck that's steady. And I'm going to, I know this is what I'm going to make. And this is what I'm going to bring home. And we can, we can count on this and we can rely on this and we can bet on it. And I remember that feeling of just being like, I I hated it. I hated that feeling so very much. And so that was a big driving force behind why I went um, and and got my teacher certification so that I could get into education and and into coaching at at that realm so that I I, I knew, you know, hey, I'm getting this, I have these benefits, I have this retirement in place, like all of that was – but do that, that weighed on me so heavily. So walk me through your mindset, walk me through the, the thought process and, 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 and all regarding like the leaving and going, venturing yeah. off into that unknown where you're, it's not just you, you know, you have someone that you've signed on to lead and, um, someone to support and someone mm-hmm. to, to take care of, like, I mean, you took, you took her on and, you know, that's what marriage is. And so you signed up for that and did that. So walk me through that thought process. And then, man, did you have any, like, was there any hesitation? Was there any worry? Was there any fear? Take me through all that.
0: So that night when I came home to, to tell her about all this stuff that I had, that I had talked about and what I was thinking, my mind was really just racing with ideas. Like I, I, I already get into this place where I have all of these different things that I think I want to do how I want to do it, you know, it's a million things. So it's actually a practice that I do fairly regularly. I would say I do it probably quarterly at this point. Um, and it's, I can't even remember who I picked it up from, but I've seen a lot of people use it since. So it's not anybody's like one thing, but it, I just call them brain dumps. And uh, I would literally get out a yellow legal pad. and uh, And it really is kind of like stream of consciousness journaling kind of thing. Like I just, you begin with, writing down the things that are right at the forefront of your mind, like things I need to do, right? Like they're just tasks. Like it's it just, just to start getting some flow into your hand and get some things on paper. But then it just becomes like your your pen just kind of takes over and you're writing all of the thoughts that come into your head. So I I usually don't set a timer when I do it um, I know some people do like to say, like, "Hey, do it however much you can in twenty minutes or whatever." But that night, I I sat and I wrote for like two hours, pretty much nonstop. I filled up like three or four pages of stuff, and they were just ideas. Like, they were, how are we going to do this? Do, you know, what other things do I need to get? Like, it, it's every and every little little thing. Like, I need to go do get. An, do I need to get an LLC? Do I need to set up a business bank account? Like, all of these other things. Like, as I'm having these thoughts, I'm getting them onto paper, and what that allowed me to do was take a step back, look at that sheet of paper or multiple sheets and say like, here's my handful of priorities. Like these are the things that I need to do right away. And that just helped create a little bit of structure to a very chaotic, like couple of weeks, right? Because there's so much that you have to do when you're starting a business and so much that you have to do when you're starting, trying to start a business in a month with like, you know, people go through you know, traditionally, you're like, if you're starting a business, that's like a brick and mortar place, you're going through like months and months of this process, like finding a space and financing and, and furnishing. And, you know, there's like, you know, all of these things that you got to do, and it takes months to get ready. And I'm like, well, I'm doing this now. So I've got to, you know, I can't go a month without getting paid. So I need to get this thing, all of these things done now. So I can start training people and charging people for training services so I can have some income. And, uh, so, in that moment, it's more of a, I'm not even sure, like, the, the burn the boat scenario was a very good analogy, I think, because in my head, it's it was more of like a, you don't have a choice, you know? So, I mean, it essentially like,
1: created a sense of urgency.
0: Exactly. And so in that moment, I'm like, there's, there's no time to lollygag with this and, and take it slow. Like you, you need to do everything you can right now. And so, uh, I had, and we, and we had been married, I want to say only like six months at this time. So it was super early on. And, uh, yeah, cause we got married in August and this was like February. So not even six months really. <clears throat> and so, um, I mean, do,
1: you, do you think that that urgency and that like that, the urgency that you created in that situation is is one of the reasons why you ended up being successful with it? Like, had you had you done it in a slow burn kind of situation? Do you think it would have come out the same way?
0: Yes and no. Uh, for me as a personality type, I always like for maybe like I said, maybe for better or for worse, my general approach to stuff is I'll figure it out. Like if I, if I I know it and I can do it, I'll, I'll figure out how to do it better. If I don't know it, I'll figure out how to do it, you know? And so put being put in those situations where it's like, I, there's so much stuff I don't know. It's like, but Hey, I told myself, I told my wife that I'm going to do this. There's stuff that I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm gonna make it work. And so having that urgency, I think, yes, put your feet to the fire, obviously more than had, I was trying to do this on the side. And like, you know, just training a couple nights at this place and, uh, but still working at the gym. Cause even in the gym, like it's not super steady in terms of commission or whatever. Cause it's all based on how many hours you're training a month, which vary because people cancel sessions. Like you're not paid hourly. It's all based off of how much you train. And, uh, and so it's not like I had this steady, reliable amount that I was getting every month or whatever it was. And I was, you know. I wasn't getting any benefits and all that kind of, it was just a, it was just a job, you know? So I'm like, there's and and having that like security wasn't because that, that word I think is confusing for me anyways, because this is, and maybe this is why I don't do well working for employees or why I have a hard time with that, because I don't believe that, that sec- I think that security is false because at any, any day, like that, the whole business could shut down. And, and with nobody's warning, that's an employee, like the, the owners and the, and the employers know what's going on, but they won't tell anybody until the day that the doors need to close. And everybody's got to notice that, Hey, sorry, we we're, we're have to let you go. Like, but you know, whatever now you're on your own in a day, you know? And so I think that stuff, security, I understand why people say that, but for me, it was never that. I would rather be the one that was in control of my ability to provide instead of relying on somebody else to do that. And then on top of that, like I, I wanted to value my services as what I thought they should be valued at and then actually be able to keep what I earned from it rather than giving three quarters of it back to somebody else. You know, and so with all that being said, it was more of a like and if it was any other person other than my wife, I I don't think I would have done it either because she from the minute I went and told her about it, she's like, all right, let's do it. Like, I believe in you. I trust you. Like, go do your thing. And we've had maybe two or three other similar type things happened since then that we're in that same type of thing where I tell her something that's like a big change and she's like all right sounds good you can do it I trust you and having that like that makes you want to like light something on fire and go you know like having somebody in your corner that that believes in you like that 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 made all the difference I think for me uh because if it was just me even if it was if I was single and I was on my own I think I probably would have lollygagged my way through it because I'm like ah you know I'm fine I, you know, I can survive on, on rice and like ground beef for, you know, cheap ground beef for a long time and not, you know, I I can be a little bit irresponsible here, but it's like you get somebody else that you're uh, providing for, but then also believes in you that much. It's like, damn, I can, I can do literally anything right now. So that was, I would say maybe the biggest part for me.
1: No, that's huge. That's, that's, that's absolutely huge. But it's also, it's also huge because that's a domino, right? So like, I mean, you're, you, you bring yeah. that to her the first time and okay, great. He delivers. Then we bring the next time. and It's like, okay, well he delivered the first time. So I'm going to go ahead and trust him. So then he delivers again, boom. And then we go to the third time and it's, and it's just, it's this domino effect. And so I think that you know people who struggle with 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 that in their relationships you know it's 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 really a really great opportunity to take an audit right and say okay so why why is this person not ready to jump in with me and, it, mm. and then that begs the question have you been reliable have you done what you said you're going to do are you someone that they will bet on because when mm. it's a spouse they're not betting trivial things they're betting their lives uh-huh. They're betting their lives as they know them and as they hope they will be on you. So, I mean, I, I think that's huge. Uh, so creating a sense of urgency, you know, whatever that urgency might be, I think is, uh, man, I, I think that's a huge key, um, you know, and then. And I'll say right now,
0: it. I'll say right now too, all, a lot of stuff didn't like pan out how I thought <laughs> it, but but that's part of running a business. Like I've made the joke, you know, and we're, we're in the big group chat. And, uh, I've made the joke several times that like running a business, I probably have the thought or the out loud conversation with my wife, maybe once a week where I'm like, no, I'm just going to burn this all down. I'll go get a job. I'm sick of this kind of, I mean, but that's just like, that's part of it. When you're a business owner, like you have those ups and downs all the time, like stuff is not going to work a lot, but that's good because it's, it helps you see what does, you know, helps you see where you can learn from that. And, uh, so this isn't, you know, but what it does do is it does build up some, some cash and I don't, I mean, C A C H E like a cache of weapons, right? Like, like being able to deliver on things. When I said I was going to do things when at some point when something doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, uh, we've built up that. And, uh, as, as a couple and as a team together, we've built that up and, and she's always so supportive of that. And she's like, all right, well, what do we need to do? Like, how, how can I help? And she, and, you know, and it's her, when she asks that, it's more like how she can help me personally. Cause you know, she understands what I do, but the business standpoint, she's not trying to get involved in that. That's not what she means. She's like, okay, well, what do you need? Like, how can I help you so you feel better about going out and doing all this stuff personally? And so, like, I mean, it is a, it's such a team thing. And even though I, you know, I do so much stuff by myself in terms of work and I train by myself and I work from home most of the time. And so I I've, I've, I've live kind of like the, I do a lot of stuff on my own, but like she is, she is like the number one teammate and makes, makes the whole, all of it run well.
1: No, for sure. Um, man, I want to circle back to what you said about security because I, I think that this is a concept that is so screwed up in our society right now. Because for us, security, security is is comfort, and security is um, known, right? So well, to us, security means we know what we're where we stand, we know what we have, we know how it's all going to get here, and, and that's what we strive for. And that kind of goes back to the whole purpose of this podcast in general, is because every person that I've ever met who is what I would call a high performer or a high achiever kind of shirks that security in some ways to to embrace the unknown and to chase what's out there because mm. you know they explore the corners of the box and then they they are they are looking for these unknown elements that they can capitalize on. Right, and dude, that's that's hard to do when you confine yourself to a secure environment where, all right, yeah. I have this job, I work for this person, and I go to work at these times, and I get this paycheck on these days, and you know, and you have this checklist of things that this is, da, 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 and that's security, and, and there's nothing right. wrong with that. I wanna I wanna make sure I state that, like like this is not a you know a a gospel message of you need to quit your job and go be your own boss because that's that's not that's not possible right i mean not everybody right. can just go be their own boss we have we have to have people who work for other people that's just that's just how it goes um but but what you can do is 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 understand that our definition of security has become skewed right that's not security that is Comfortability, yep. security. There's there's a, there's a there's a lot of discomfort in true security because you're responsible for it, and so you have to undertake that with the idea of, of just like you said, you know, I'm not working for someone because I'm not going to leave any of this in the hands of someone else. I'm going to make sure yep. that at the end of the day, how much money I make, whether or not I provide for my family, my health. My family's safety, all of these things are going to be, at the end of the day, that buck's going to stop with me, and I'm not going to be able to blame any other person if it goes wrong. I'm also not going to be able to give credit to any other person when it goes right. And that is right. that is huge, huge thing that I think we are missing out on massively.
0: Well, it's it's such an interesting thing because... Societally, I think we're seeing, you know, I can't say fruits because I don't believe there are any to a degree of what happens when people get too comfortable. Right. Uh, we're seeing that in many ways, societally. I mean, in, not just from a, like everything that's happened in the past two plus years from a from a national standpoint or even a global standpoint really, with just the, the freedoms that were that were taken away two plus years ago that are not coming back in many instances uh, because people are com- were comfortable and just listen to quote unquote authority right And but I also mean that when you look at what's happened in 40 years with health in America, Since the 70s, it's probably been the most steady line graph of any metric that exists is like the amount of obesity in the United States, diabetes in the United States, heart disease, all this kind of stuff, and we're constantly fed devices and things in life that are meant to numb, dull, and purge all discomfort from our lives. And it's essentially doing the opposite. It's making us docile, right? And it's making us extremely weak because that's easy to manipulate, right? And I'm not trying to get into like some big like conspiracy type thing here, but just throughout all of history, like it's pretty hard to, to control a man who's strong physically, mentally has something to fight for and also isn't beholden to you at all. You know what I mean like if if he is not beholden to an employer, if he's not beholden on a food supply from you to survive, like I mean that if you get a couple million of those dudes, you're in trouble because you're not you're not taking over anything with guys like that. and that mentality, I think is what is lost in the last hundred years is we haven't needed those guys, right. And, uh, and that's really why in the last maybe two plus years, I started to transition a lot of my coaching to men specifically, not because I believe I'm like some, some field general of, you know, creating soldiers and all this kind of stuff, but it's more like, Hey, you need to be fit so you can take care of the people around you because regardless of how how you see things in the world right now, there are going to be times coming up in the next, and maybe it's, maybe it's not for 30 years, right? Like I'm not saying next month things are going to go to crap, but in the coming decades, in our lifetime, like things are going to get difficult, right? And what that looks like, how that manifests itself. We have no idea, but the it's going there, you're going to have some real struggles and some real consequences to actions happening in the next couple of decades and you have to be fit and strong and able to take care of yourself and your family if you're going to survive. And, and so I just felt such a draw to that And, and partly because I needed that for myself. And when I realized when I was coaching, I always connected more with the guys who were in similar positions as myself or were in similar positions as I was three or four years ago and how I could have used this same stuff three or four years ago. Like it was more like, Oh man, I wish I would have had this when I was just started to get married. And I I really could have changed some stuff. Had I had this proper mindset, had I learned how to write goals like this, how I, how I could have established some discipline um, at this point in my life. I wish I would have had that. So I wanted to provide that. And that's how I look at why I coach the way I do now. It's yes, the physical, and the strength is obviously a part of it, but it's, it's more about how do we use these things to become like a self-reliant man basically, and why that is so important.
1: No, man, Uh, you know, and that's, that's hitting exactly, exactly where I, where I was wanting to go with that. And, and, and you're, you're exactly right. You know, when, when, Okay, so food. Let's, 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 let's go down this rabbit hole really quickly. So food supply shortages, right? Like that's kind of been, been one of the things that everybody's kind of been on the peripheral of right now. It's like it's not been yeah. bad enough yet where people are really getting urgent about it. But for anyone who's paying attention, especially if you have friends who are in the agriculture industry that are giving yep. you kind of that behind-the-scenes look at things, and then you start looking at how much farmland's being bought and then not planted – and you start yep. looking at numbers about how much of the the world population is fed by what percentages you know and, and our buddy Logan Hanks talks about that all the time that you know 1% of the world feeds the other 99% yep. and, and that's just you know a crazy statistic when you start looking at all that it really really is, is is scary if you are completely beholden to Costco or Walmart or Aldi or whatever to to get all your food you know, but then no. you start you start going. Okay, well, you know, I I can grow a garden and I can hunt and you know what I may not I may not be able to buy Doritos, you know, and I, I may have to fry. give up Doritos and and uh, and, and Fruity Pebbles, um, but I can grow all these vegetables and I can go and hunt meat and I can go fishing, and, and that's that's the thing is, people are so afraid of losing the things that they have come to expect and they're so afraid of losing the status quo of normalcy right in their life that they avoid it at all costs. So who gives a crap if you can't eat ultra processed garbage anymore? In fact, that would probably be the best thing that ever happened
0: to you. <laughs> no, you know probably. I mean?
1: <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, seriously, let, let's pause for a minute and go and, and think about this. If, if grocery stores, as they are right now, went away, and we no longer had all the processed crap that that we eat in our Western diet, and people were forced to either a hunt and fish, raise livestock, grow a garden, or starve to death. On the other side of that, yes, it would suck really bad yep. for a while because those of us who are prepared for that would be fine. Yeah. You know, there there is a bunch of people out there to be just fine. Big cities where that's not very feasible would yep. be awful. And then it would bleed out into the countryside with people getting very hungry and starting to try to come loot and stuff like that. So let's let's move past that. Jump past the doomsday scenario mm-hmm. and now on the other side of that Actually, it'd be pretty fine. It'd be pretty good, I think, actually, because now you've got to return to how things have been for thousands of years. And, yep. you know, you've got your family over there. Like, like you know, Ross is over here, and he, he grows all these vegetables. And I'm over here, and I've got some livestock. And so I do meat. He does veggies. And then we've got a guy down here who's got dairy cows and has honeybees. And so now all we're, we're here together, and we all do this thing. And then we go fishing every Saturday and catch up a load of fish and, you know, we'll go out and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll kill an elk or we'll kill a mule deer, whitetail and turkeys or whatever. And I think yeah. we'd be fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's called community. In fa- Shocker. In
1: fact, it sounds pretty freaking awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and, and like you said, even if we're looking past the like prepper mindset, it even if we're looking at it from just a practical standpoint, right? Yes, it's going to, yes, it takes work, but how nice would it be? I mean, how nice would it be to just not have to worry during like, I mean, we remember the great, the great toilet paper shortage of March of 2020, right? Like, I mean, that's obviously you can't grow toilet paper. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I'm saying is like, but that think about just the mindset of people that freaked out, and, like, and, and when gas started going crazy earlier this year and you see all the videos of dudes, like, it's just the dumbest thing in the world. People filling up, like, rubber-made tubs with gasoline in the back of a pickup. Like, th- when people are scared, they lose the ability to think. And Panic. in those moments, like, that, that will literally make or break you living. And, uh, you know, if it's an actual life or death situation and we can see how a lot of people would react if it was an actual life or death situation based on how all of this stuff, old really was kind of like a test, right? Whether or not you want to believe it was intentional or not, it ended up being a very effective test for a lot of us to see. Exactly. And so when you talk about things like having friends and communities that support each other and, you know, like you said, maybe one dude is the, maybe one dude's the, the corn farmer, right? Maybe one, maybe one guy is the, maybe everybody's got a couple of chickens. Maybe one guy's the cow guy has like the stuff for dairy products. And, you know, everybody kind of hunts and shares what they harvest hunting. And I mean, it's like that was kind of the point of all of this, anyways, is building communities. And there's all kinds of sociological studies that show something like, I want to say the number's like 150. Like about 150 people is like the max amount of effective relationships that you can have and meaning like that you can be very close and communicative with in a community. Right. Like 150 is kind of like the number you get more than that. You start to lose touch with people and, uh, you know, you're maybe not connected as close or you you don't remember people as well. But like 150 is that number and you start to think like, well, how big were villages and tribes and towns and townships and all this kind of stuff until – cities started exploding, right? Like a lot of these small villages were a few hundred people, right? But they all had like shared responsibility and I'm not yearning for some like 300 years ago village, but to understand like you can find some people in your circle that you can create this kind of stuff with. It's pretty cool. And, you know, you, t- you mentioned like what happens if Costco or all these things shut down for the last, you know, with with a few exceptions, uh, a lot of our our fresh food that we get there's two really awesome like farm stores that are in our area, and we, you mentioned Logan already. Him, him and his wife uh, are talking about opening up one for their farm in Tennessee, which I think is such a cool idea. Like, I think we need, I think we need every town needs twenty of those rather than two WalMarts or a Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, if if we get a bunch of farmers and and livestock owners and uh, and all this kind of stuff to have you know, a, you know, a region of each town that has a farm store that supplies food. Like, I'm, I mean, it gets me kind of excited thinking about all this kind of stuff because it really is, it's, it's complicated maybe in its execution, but it's not a complicated idea. You know, it's just a matter of finding the right people to make it happen. And I totally believe that it is something that can be done and will be done. Frankly, I think it will, will return to a lot of that whether by need or just by uh, the breaking away of needing the oversight or the big corporation model, I think we'll break away from a lot of that anyways. Um, But I just think that would be such an easier way to live within a community and form close bonds and, and really, really make a difference in a lot of people's lives is stuff like that. And having that community that you do things with makes a huge difference. So, you know, I think there's so much upside that we just have to find the people willing to put it together and, and find people that you're like, I believe in you, right? Like, let's do this thing. And then do a burn the boat scenario. Like maybe that's what it takes. Like maybe that, it, maybe it takes you like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to maybe quit my job. And like, I'm not saying go out and do this because Taylor made a great point. Everybody can't just go quit their job tomorrow. if They have a dream that they haven't thought out yet. Right. But there are some of those people that can do that. So if you're listening and you're one of those people that, you know, you can pull stuff off like that, like you might be one of those people. We need a lot of those people.
1: Well, and I think everybody can be one of those people. But it, the, the problem right. is, is it's uncomfortable and it's unknown. And, and you have to you have to a lot of times lay the groundwork to be able to do that. So like right right now I yes. can I I cannot quit my job right now even if I wanted to and and I love my job right. I love getting to to coach athletes I love getting to work in an education setting I love working at the school that my kids go to I think it's awesome we're in a small community it's great I love my job so I, I don't I don't have that desire nor pressing need at this particular moment to do that. But even if I did, I'm not in a position right now where I could just go quit my job today. And sure. and, and and my family's life would not radically change. Right. So like that's that's yeah. the thing. Like it would it would be radically detrimental at this point. It wouldn't be like, oh, we're gonna radically change and then we're going to go down this path and it's gonna be great this way. It would be like, no, we we we've made a mistake and we're we're now going to have to go through some really tough things that I shouldn't be putting a six, four and two year old through simply because, right. So not everybody can do that, but if that's something that, that, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, man, I crave that. Then awesome. Let's take an inventory and let's look at how we can achieve that. And and I'll I'll go ahead and give Ross a plug on this. Um, if, If that's something you're interested in, Ross is one of the better people to help you write and figure out goals that I've ever met. Um, so, I mean, your, your whole goal setting routine and how you've you've walked through that and the way you coach people through that is ridiculously impressive. Um, and, and I've been on the receiving end of that from you and I, I think it's awesome. Um, and so I, I'm definitely going to put all your information in this in this podcast when we finish it at, down at the bottom that people can find you because uh, man, I think if that's something people are interested in, then you're a great resource
0: for that. Um, so well, the goal setting thing is the goal setting thing is really interesting uh, because we tend to think of goals as like we think of them as an end like a end game, right? we do it in this very superficial way. It's really, it's really interesting. And, uh, when, when we think about goals, it's like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. And like, what happens if you lose 10 pounds? Like, is your life, all your, all your problems going to be solved? You know? Uh, And the answer is usually no, because they haven't thought about it. Like you need a a good why behind those things. And like you went through this whole process. It's a, it's a really fun process to go through because it helps you give you some realization on what's actually important and how you go to create those things. Uh, But it, but it's a process. And so, yeah, it's, it's something that I've really loved doing and it's always a refining deal to go back and, and work on your goals.
1: And, and I'll say this too. Most people don't realize how badly they suck at writing goals. Like, I mean, that's something that like, you like, oh, I can write a goal. I can write a goal. <laughs> right. no, no, that's not a goal. That's, that's a, that's a wish you're, you're making a wish. Right. Um, and, and so like me going through that with you was really interesting because like you, you had told me, um, you know, write down this, this, and this, and then we're going to go through it and refine it. And I was like, okay, so I wrote these things down and I was like man this is as simple as it gets this is this doesn't need much refinement and then i think like an hour and a half on the phone later i was like holy <laughs> crap
0: <It> wasn't <laughs> even the like same the, thing you wrote down
1: no it wasn't even close it wasn't even yep. close and what was really what was really weird and re- but really awesome at the same time was through that refinement process i was able to say okay the way i originally wrote this is not actually what i want at all mm. because understanding working through those things getting deeper than the surface and saying okay this this is not a goal necessarily this is this is an a a, a checkpoint in a process to an eventual outcome that should be the goal <laughs> right, right? right. And, and and dude it was it was mind-boggling to me <laughs> like how how just utterly inept i was at, at any type of goal setting and, and so going through that process was really really cool um tell you what man can you like without giving away the secret sauce man would we'll just kind of kind of give an overview of what you do with the goal setting because i, I think uh, i think a lot of people yeah. could benefit from that
0: i don't have any problem telling you exactly how we did it. The the whole, the whole purpose behind it is to find, is to find really a, a clarity is the word I like to use, right? Because like I gave that example before people come in and they're like, well, you know, I want to lose X number of pounds. And they say, why, you know, and they'll be like, uh, I I don't know. that's just a number I picked. Like there's no, there's no real connection to that goal. Right. And so, That's the first thing we like to do. And I mean, I have no problem telling you guys the exact steps that we went through. So we'll we'll start and we'll say, what's the goal? And and write it down and be specific, right? So we'll say, write down this, my goal is blank. And then you're going to write a because or a why statement. So it'll be like, my goal is blank because blank. And the little trick I like to do with people is if you can't give me a strong why or a strong because as to why that goal is important to you within a couple of seconds, then it really isn't. And we're going to leave it. So like if somebody tells me I want to lose 20 pounds, you'll be like, why? I'm Like, Duh, I don't know. I'm like, all right, well, that's not your goal. So I don't even want to hear 20 pounds again. Right. And so people get in their heads like, oh, where this number come from? I don't know. And so when we refine why something is important, it gives you connection to that goal. gives you reason to want to accomplish it. Right. So the the classic example that I've actually seen, like it kind of becomes a cliche, but I've seen it time and time again is like, if somebody is uh, trying to lose a ton of weight and their reasoning behind it is so that they can live an extra 15 years for their kids. Right. And like something heavy like that, like that gives you some purpose. Right. It's not just, Hey, I want to lose 20 pounds so I can fit into these pants. Right. Like, so what, give me a reason why that's important to you, like a real reason. And so when we find what that reason is a lot of what we do in this, and this is what you were talking about with the refinement. We work a lot on the actual language that you use because the language that we use is very important. Right. Uh, one of my favorite examples that I like to use is, uh, when, when we're talking about what negations are, and these are like your don't, won'ts, can'ts, shouldn't, wouldn't, like those kind of words, right? People will use those in their goals as their reason why they want to accomplish them. So they, like an example I've had a lot of times is, you know, uh, I want to I want to get healthier, get down to whatever weight because my parents are really unhealthy and I don't want to end up like my parents, right? So all you've told me here is you don't want to end up like your parents. That's the only thing you've said. So imagine, imagine you're going to the grocery store And this is the analogy. This is the story example. You're going to the grocery store, and like every husband in America, you're going to call your wife from the middle of the grocery store and uh, ask her a question about what we need to get, right? And you say, okay, I'm in in the grocery store. I'm in in the aisles. What do do we need for dinner? And the only thing she tells you is, "Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want hot dogs. And that's all she says. And you're like, um, Okay, that wasn't helpful at all. All you've told me is the one thing in the store you don't want. You've told there's still four billion other things in the store that I could get you, and technically I would be right in doing so. And uh, you can see how that doesn't actually help give us clarity on what it is you do want the outcome to be. So it's the same thing with our goals. If you tell me you don't want to end up like your parents, well, what do you want to end up like, right? What paint paint that picture for me on the outcome that you're looking for. And be specific, be very clear, because when we have that, now we can begin to work backwards from there and and create a map and a, and a roadmap of how to get there. So after we do that, we add a by date. We add like a, you know, buy this date, and we're very specific. I've pushed some people into some uncomfortable zones on when they think they can accomplish stuff by, and uh, – that's good because that gives you that little bit of urgency and drive. Like, Ooh, I feel a little bit of butterflies in my stomach. I'm excited, but that's going to take some work. That's good. That means that you have something that you want to work for and it's meaningful to you. And it's actually something you're going to do the work for. And so you do this enough and you, and you learn how to use your language in a way that benefits, uh, your mental state in a way that really enhances the way that you think about yourself, the way that you think about the things that you're doing. And it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, like when, 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 you and I went through this exercise, you know, you had a lot of really great things that we started with. And, uh, by the end, I remember you just like feeling like amped up because a lot of this was like, okay, I'm fired up right now. Like I have, ex- I have an exact plan of what I need to do to accomplish these really big things that I said I wanted to do. Right. And that's the point is like goals need to be this point in the future, but you need to know how to get there. It doesn't do you any good if you just say, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. Right. OK, well, how am I going to get there? I need to know exactly how I'm going to get there I need to know why that's so important to you. So it's this it's a very fun process to go through and it's very eye opening for a lot of people. And I am still refining it in myself. You know, I've been doing it for, I think, four years now is when I learned this process from my coach who taught it to me. And I still go through, uh, a lot of this refinement with the stuff that I do myself, but it's one of the most clarifying things that I have done in recent years to keep me on track with the things that I say I want to accomplish. And it extends far beyond fitness stuff, right? You can apply the process to any avenue of life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like this, this podcast is a good example because when we did these goals, I mean, the podcast has been something that I've been toying around with for probably two years, um, and, and and one of the goals that we had gotten to and written down, uh, just a, a very short point of this was, start the podcast by eight one twenty two. Like I'm I'm looking at that goal right now. I've still got the freaking book right here with all the stuffs written down in. Like I mean, I, I check back over it often, um, and and that was one of the goals was that uh, the I will I will begin. My podcast by eight one twenty two, and I had my because Taylor statement and all that stuff.
0: Of the internet. Uh oh. I can filibuster Ross is, for a minute. Ross until is monologuing. He comes
1: back. Ross is monologuing. Let's let him monologue. This is going to be good.
0: Or I can just let you sit in silence and actually contemplate some things while we sit here, I'm sitting outside. You can hear birds chirping. The sun is rising. Staring at green grass. I'm staring at vegetable garden. Can hear some motorcycles. Peaceful morning. It's almost meditative. (laughs) This is great.
1: So this this happens on Ross's episode with other people as well.
0: Could turn this into an ASMR episode real quick. Do a bunch of weird (laughs) sound effects. Get really close to the microphone. Oh my goodness who knows if he'll keep this in the episode oh i'm absolutely going
1: to keep it in the episode don't you worry what's funny is i'm texting him right now and and this this is fantastic so ross is going to exit out and come back in and we'll we will continue <laughs> we'll continue this in a minute okay so you if you've not uh I don't. I don't remember if it's his episode on his podcast with Logan Hanks, or if it's on the first episode Logan had with Ross. But there's a portion where Logan just completely goes out and Ross monologues for a solid few minutes, and it's fantastic. So if you have a chance to go check that out, I would. I thoroughly suggest that you do that, because this this uh, this tends to happen to Ross quite a bit, where he ends up monologuing in someone's podcast. Hey, you got me now. Hey, man. There we go. <laughs> oh boy! So one of two things just happened: either, either we just lost everything that we did, or or not. We'll figure that out in a minute. Um,
0: it wouldn't it it wouldn't have lost. It said my thing was uploaded already, so you, it'll just show up as a multiple recording when you okay, go into sweet. the thing because it still says it's recording right now, so yeah, you can just does. go in and cut this part out.
1: Yeah. Nah, I, I, I don't care if we cut it out. You know, you, it seems like you monologue on a lot of episodes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, just, uh, just. <laughs> just, I wasn't sure if it was, I wasn't sure if it was me or you. And so I was just like, Oh, I'll just fill some time and see if he comes back. And <laughs> I mean,
1: the birds were chirping over the vegetable garden. It was great. Like, I'm serious. I never it lost you. Nice. Not one bit no idea
0: that's hilarious because you like froze you like froze right as you were starting to talk and i'm like oh dang it i wonder if the school like if the internet petered out finally over there and then you told me you're like i can hear you talking I'm like what is happening
1: that's great because i was sitting there texting you and i watching you uh. get text and kind of your reactions to the text was funny what was the last thing you heard me say <laughs> before that all happened? uh
0: it was right after we were it, it it was right as you started talking right when we finished up the goal section.
1: Oh, so what I, what I was saying was that, you know, one of the goals that I had set initially, um, and, and, and one of the reasons why I feel like this is so helpful, and this is just a, a, you know, example, one of the goals that you had that we, we went over was the, uh, the goal about this podcast. Cause when we had, when we did this, I had mm-hmm. not even finished conceptualizing this podcast. Um, it was an idea that I had, it was something like, man, I think I want to do this. And it just kind of hung around in my head. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the goals we had was uh I will have started the podcast by August first, two thousand twenty two, because we we had a because statement on there. Um but the, the the main point here was that my goal was to have the podcast launched by eight one twenty two. And by eight one twenty two we're mm-hmm. actually ten episodes in. Um so it 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 yep. absolutely did create this this the drive to kind of get there is like all right. So not only do I have a goal, I have a, a deadline, and I have uh, these reasons why, and it was just like, okay, awesome, boom! Now let's go because you know it was it, it just it, it created this urgency, it created a sense of urgency, mm-hmm. and and not that in a sense of urgency in the fact that you know oh my god, I've got to do this or so and so might die, but. It gave me this, this sense of, okay, you said you're going to do this now do it. And what's really cool is this is the first time I've looked back on that. And I completely, honestly, I completely forgot that that was the date on it. Like, that's what was really crazy. Isn't it? Cause I, I just looked at it just then and was like, oh crap. I was supposed to have that done by August 1st. And my first episode dropped in April.
0: And we did that when it was like it was last winter, like November, December, November. something like that, right?
1: It was in November.
0: Is November, it in of, yeah.
1: It was the middle yeah. to the end of November. Yeah, it was while I was on Thanksgiving break. Yeah. So, because it was during the day.
0: One of the cool things, and that, ha- dude, I'm I'm telling you, man, that happens more often than not. Where, and that's the reason why we use the word "by" in the "by" date, right? And so, if I say "by," August first rather than on August 1st, whether or not we intend it or not, but just how our brains are, are wired as humans. If we say on, that means that I have all the way up until August 1st to, to put it off essentially. Right? I just said, I got to do it on this date. But if I say I'm going to do it by this date, that gives me all of the time before that to get that accomplished. And what that ends up doing is it gives you permission in yourself to be like, I can do this far earlier than August 1st. I don't have to wait until then. If I get the stuff and I'm ready to go, then I can just do it. And so uh, that happens very, very frequently uh, when we do these kind of goals that people will set them and it's like a three-year goal and they'll do it in 18 months. It's a one-year goal. They'll do it in four months. I mean That kind of stuff happens all the time and it's more of a... Uh, an ability in humans to underestimate or overestimate the amount of work that it takes to do something, and we're usually pretty bad at both. And so uh, it's it's really fun to watch when those things happen.
1: You were saying when we, when we use the by date instead of on yeah. date, because what I'm going to do is we're going to have better internet in Mississippi by 2050. How about that? 2050. <laughs> 20- I'm being liberal. That's kind of a conservative. Liberal, whatever. I don't know if that's liberal or conservative. I live in Podunkville.
0: Continue. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, it's just one of the funny things that happens is when people have permission to do things sooner than they put the deadline to, they tend to do it sooner than they put the deadline to. And I've seen it time and time again where it's – my favorite example was – I had a guy I was coaching for a long time. Excuse me, and he had wanted to. He was like an engineer at this at this firm, and he wanted to essentially create a position for himself that didn't exist in the company. Uh, Just a a compilation of a couple of the responsibilities that he liked from previous jobs, and then give him some more uh, responsibility, kind of a thing. And it didn't exist. And I was like, we we did this whole process, and it ended up being a three year goal. So I said, "I, I want this to happen in three in three years. And, uh, and so we were doing a 12 week coaching block at the time when we did this at the beginning. And, uh, what was really cool was by the end of the 12 weeks, he came, he comes back to me and he says, so I just had a meeting with my bosses and we essentially created that position for me. And, uh, I have this job now that I said I wanted in three years. And I said that 12 weeks ago. And so, but having that in mind, like he was doing the work and we had the roadmaps of all the things he needed to do, all the things he needed to have done, uh, prior to that. And then it happened. I mean, and that, and that happens all the time, but what we need to remember is that having those things written down is like the most powerful part of all of it is actually get something down on paper. Uh, old, an old coach of mine used to say, um, a goal is just a dream written down right so um, until you write it down it's nothing more than a dream or a wish right practice writing these things down
1: no i I, am with you man that's there's so much power in in putting it on paper and and actually getting it out and 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 not just holding it inside where only you're accountable to just you know your brain essentially when you do that
0: yeah exactly exactly so
1: man no that's 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 fantastic so let me ask you this i want to transition into this a little bit because i want to i want to give you an opportunity to plug your stuff right here so you're coaching um so yep. you have you have a lot of different things available in that in that regard, um, different ways to access you as a coach. Um, so, man, walk, walk me through that. You know what? Uh, if someone that's listening to this is like, man, I, I like this Ross guy. I'm interested in, in him as a coach. Dude, what services do you offer? How do we get to them? And, you know, what all does it entail?
0: Yeah, so I I at this point, I have three ways that I, that I coach people and, and this has taken a long time to get it down to these three different branches of the coaching business, I guess you could say. Um, but the first is if you're somebody who's brand spanking new to training and we like, or maybe it's been years since you did and you just need like, I need this ground level one oh one type, uh, treatment and education with it. Um, I have, what's called the foundations program, which is a six week program. It's kind of a crash course, but it's the basics of everything of, of, you know, kind of the philosophies that I have uh, grown to believe in coaching for the last eight, nine years now Um, comes with a six week training program. We do weekly coaching calls as a group of the cohort that goes into each class together. Um, There's weekly education modules that cover things like nutrition recovery, like the whole gamut. Like, so I do that every couple of months, I'll run a new six week class. And uh, from there, a lot of the guys stay on and become a part of just like the regular monthly group coaching model, which is, Kind of my bread and butter. Um, we do monthly coaching blocks. We have weekly coaching calls. Uh, we have a shared forum uh, where we have daily communications. We do things like a, a monthly book club where we read a book, discuss on a different call together. It's more of a community driven, uh, a community driven thing, and. All the while, we're still training really hard and and getting really good results with our training. And then, you know, if the, if the person's right and the situation's right, I still I still do one to one coaching as well. But I'm very picky about uh, that kind of stuff, and I only do a couple of those at a time. And sometimes I don't have any one on one clients for a long time. Um, and that just has to be the right situation, and uh, because it's very involved, it's very immersive. And it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of time on both of our parts. So to make sure that it's going to be the right fit, I, you know, we, there's a whole app and we do an application process and all that kind of stuff. But my, my bread and butter is the group coaching program. It's a men's group. So we're, we're sharing all of this stuff with other men, uh, going through all of the same things we're all going through together. We're, we're learning how to be strong and fit and we're training hard and we're eating well and we're having that community together. And, uh, those are the, those are the three main ways that I, that I coach people and uh we i think we have a foundation's course starting in i want to say at the beginning of october uh will be when the next one kicks off it's either the end it's that last week of september that bleeds into october i believe um but i'll i'll check it back with that and get you the accurate date um but that one will kick off in a couple of weeks so uh we'll have i think we have a handful of openings still for that if anybody's interested um but yeah that's that's where everything is and if you want to go to nomad strength dot com, you can find the tabs and everything is there for all of those different options for setting up a call to, to talk about any of those.
1: Yeah, awesome. So October first is a Saturday, so I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be that last week there. Um, it would probably, yeah. I think
0: it would be then I think it would be the if it's the first is a Saturday, then I believe we start on the second. So we'll start at the beginning of that week. So
1: awesome. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a Patreon as well, correct?
0: I do. And that's for the podcast. Um, we, I started that a couple of weeks or I guess it's been a couple of months now. I had a child in the middle of all that. So my whole timeline is like totally off. I don't know what day it is half the time anymore. Um, but there is a Patreon for the podcast. Uh, we do an extra show every week called unplugged. And, uh, we just started now the unplugged episode every week is going to be an extra, 10 to 20 minutes with the guest from that week doing a bonus show essentially so the one that dropped this week was the one yesterday or monday with bear hanlon from born primitive and he stayed on for about another 20 minutes to talk just about training he was a crossfit games athlete so we got nerded out on his training for a crossfit Games stuff for a while so it was pretty fun
1: that's awesome so um ross, ross is and if you go to if, if you go to patreon f-
0: yeah and if you go to Patreon, it's Nomad Strength Show. So, yeah, I didn't say where that was.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Ross is the host of the Nomad Strength Show. It's, uh, it's a great podcast. Are you dropping two, two a week right now or are we just at one?
0: No, nope, we're still at two a week. I've done, for the most part, with a few exceptions, uh, we've done basically two a week for a year and a half now. So we're actually, I think, 48, 49. So in a week and a half, we will be at 150, which is wild.
1: Awesome. And while we're talking about it, I'm going to try to get this posted and released pretty quickly so that this can get out there. You have a giveaway associated with your podcast right now, don't you?
0: Yeah, we've got, um, we've got a few more days on it. Actually. Uh, there is a, we're doing a podcast review giveaway. I've got a bunch of new merch uh, that I've been kind of getting hounded about for, I would say a couple of years now, honestly. And I've just been kind of lazy with putting it together. Cause I didn't want to do apparel, 'cause but a lot of people want to wear nomad strength stuff, which is cool, so I finally put some together, and we have a really cool design uh and there's shirts, there's a mug, there's a frosted pint glass, there's some stickers, and then there's actually a gym banner that you can hang up in your home gym, we're all home gym home gym homies in in nomad strength for the most part, and so I wanted to have like a little cool home gym banner to hang up so uh if you go into my instagram the link in bio has a link for the entry for that giveaway um and it's just a podcast review giveaway so it's pretty easy to to get entered into that and yeah that's what's going on this week
1: yeah it, it is a really cool design actually i've got one of those shirts coming in the mail um and uh, you, you uh ross ross is in a group chat with me and he kind of said that a while ago with myself ross and eight other men who have uh kind of become a, a bit of a a bit of a community ourselves, a little bit of a family in there, and uh, so when Ross was getting ready to get all this stuff out and designed. He kind of sent us the the link early so we could mm-hmm. get in on some of that. So I, I, bu- I bought one of those shirts. So I would encourage you guys if if you enjoyed listening to Ross, go check out his podcast. Um, if coaching is something you want to uh, like to be interested in, you know, maybe have Ross be your coach. You definitely go to nomad-strength.com. Check all his content out there listen to his podcast get entered to win this giveaway um and ross where can people follow you on social media
0: yeah on instagram is where i'm most active it's at coach ross hillier on instagram i have a twitter that i am on infrequently but i'm on there and i think that's the ross hillier which is lame but that was the only one that was available because coach ross hillier was taken which was weird i thought um uh, and then Facebook, if you just search me i mean i'm if you just find my name, there aren't many Ross Hilliers. There's one that's like a photographer back in Indiana, I think, and he's the only other one that's ever been confused for me. But if you just search my name i'm I'm pretty available to find. <laughs>
1: awesome man well look dude i appreciate you coming on um this has been a really fun episode for me i definitely want to we got to get back on and do some more stuff and do a little life update in several months and see how things are going but man i've uh i've enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years and then uh you know getting to know you even much better than that through our group chat and our daily conversations and and all the things that uh, you've been present for so man I, I really appreciate you having some time for me today and uh dude this was an awesome episode.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Anytime. Awesome, brother. I appreciate it, man. We'll see you. You've been listening to the Discomfort by Design podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a review. And we'll
1: see you next time.